2: This is the portion of the program where we try to look ahead for things that are on the horizon, things that might be making a difference in our communities. And we're really thrilled to have joining us on the program today. Representative Kara Berklin, uh, who represents uh, District 53 here in the state of Utah. She's also the best high school basketball referee in the business. Just for the record, had to throw that in there. Uh, But uh, she's here to talk to us about a a bill that she is proposing and working on about police de-escalation training. And she joins us on the line now. Representative, thanks for chiming in today.
3: Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
2: You bet. And so let's talk about uh, kind of the genesis of this bill. Of course, there's been a lot of conversations over the past year in terms of police training, uh, particularly in de-escalating, challenging situations. Uh, You have a personal connection to this. Uh, Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, so I I think you're referring to um, perhaps our son that we adopted. Um, and, And after we adopted him, we had his doctor at the time. Uh, tell us that it's not a matter of if he goes to jail it's when he goes to jail and and that has made a lasting impression on both me and my husband's um, outlook you know of course we give him every opportunity to thrive and and be more than than doctors and experts say he could be but it definitely makes me think gosh I want to make sure we're we're not only giving him good opportunities but other people's children you know these are people that you know get locked up they're not They're not just people we should just ignore. And we need to make sure that that it's happening in a way where we respect their humanity. Yeah,
2: exactly. And seeing them as uh, not as liabilities to be managed, and especially those who are dealing with mental health challenges or disabilities, uh, a host of different things that, again, to a police officer could uh, coming on the scene could appear to be uh, threatening, uh, where if they understood and if they were able to engage in some of those de-escalation uh, components that uh, could could be a, a life-or-death difference.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, I was really fortunate that the Utah FOP invited me to a training. The CP, um, co- you know, Community Policing 21, Why'd You Stop Me? Educational Day. And this group out of California of officers came in and, and taught this amazing program that does just that. It's Utah, Utah's legislators, they all got behind and, and voted in favor of telling police officers you need de-escalation training but we didn't fund that opportunity for them and we haven't given them any clear direction on how to do it we just recognize it needs to be done and, and this uh, organization this, this day I spent learning with the uh, officers of Utah was a real eye-opener to me on how it it could and perhaps should be done.
2: Yeah and so that's a big part of the the bill is to to make sure I, obviously a lot of our Police forces are they're always uh, looking for resources, looking for time and training and and guidance in terms of that training. And so part of your bill uh, would focus on the fact that uh, when there are funds there, there's direction there, uh, but also that this would save money uh, in the long run. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah. So the bill will the idea is it'll it'll go through post. It'll fund post for this training. Now, I'm working with different law enforcement groups to decide is this going to be a mandatory training that they must use or just, hey, that's great if you don't want to do this. But the only way we're funding it is through this particular program, because ultimately the amount of money that we're spending has to stay in use of force settlements by and large, costs well far more than what this program statewide would do. This program could go to every every um, agency of law enforcement in our state, into the schools, and particularly into the jails and prisons, which is really a really key important factor because the recidivism rate is so high in Utah, they're going to run into police officers most likely again, at least 70 to 80% of those in jail now. So it's teaching them how to interact with law enforcement and law enforcement to teach them. Just so that, you know, yes, the, I loved the story they talked about there, where he said, "Sure, I might be able to, as an officer, show someone that they're not going to disrespect me. Mm. But what am I doing for my brother, my fellow officer, two, three weeks or years from now, when that same person runs into an officer and has to work with an officer? Have I created an, an environment where they feel like we're here working through our issues? as a community together.
2: Oh, I love that. I think that's su- such a vital part of it. You mentioned the the settlement component. Just for our listeners, uh, when we talk about settlements uh, regarding use of force, uh, what does that actually look like uh, around the state of Utah?
3: And I apologize. I can't give you the exact... I'm on vacation in California. <laughs> I don't have the numbers <laughs> right in front of me right now. Um, just in the discussions we had um, with the training, you know, we talked about the how much we're spending on settlements versus how much this training would cost the state of Utah. And I apologize. I don't have the exact figures no, in front of
2: me. No, that's fine. And, 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 less about the numbers, but more about the the fact that we end up uh, in absence of this kind of training that we do end up yes. with use of force where then suddenly we're either looking at lawsuit costs or we're looking at settlement costs uh, that do cost the state and do costs our are, uh, police force, our c- cities and counties, uh, a significant amount of money every year.
3: They do, they definitely, and so this is something we are going to bring the group, the CP twenty one training, back to Utah in August, and we're hoping to bring, you know, different groups from the League of city and Towns to other law enforcement groups in, so that they can see and hopefully see the benefit of of this program and how it will actually overall save them a lot of money and not just the money, but probably save a lot of lives in the process.
2: Yeah. So important. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, even while you're out, out of state, we appreciate you carving out a little time for us. This is an important conversation. It's a crucial conversation uh, we need to have in our cities and in our communities uh, for everybody uh, that we have confidence that law enforcement is confident in terms of how they're de-escalating and, and using everything at their disposal in, in very, uh, tense and often uh, split-second decision-making that they have when they're on the scene of, of an event or something that's happening. And so we appreciate your work on this, uh, Representative Birkeland, Uh travel safe, and we'll look forward to picking this up uh, as you get back in and we move it towards uh, the session next year.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, that's uh, Representative Kira Berkland joining us on the line. And I think this is such an important conversation about de-escalation. And, again, it's it's not enough to say, hey, there's an issue or, hey, we're spending a significant amount of money in settlement costs over and over and over again uh, around the state. It's also not enough uh, just to say, hey, this is important. Uh, Law enforcement should do something about it. Uh, I think we need to make sure that there are funds available there. Uh, Ian Adams, who's the executive director of the Utah Fraternal Order Police, uh, he he had a very similar comment. He says, you know, it's good to have multiple options for training. Uh, there also needs to be the financial support uh, because, uh, as we talked about earlier uh, with Representative Brooklyn, there there's a lot of agencies, a lot of municipalities are just cash strapped right now. Training bus- budgets are tight. Uh, actually, just having time to allow officers to be trained uh, is a challenge as we look at shortages uh, of staff and so on. And so it is important for the state to really move the conversation forward in a significant way and do that by making sure there's clear direction in terms of what it is, what it means, what needs to be done around de-escalation training, that there are funds around it. And then most important, are we having the discussion about the outcomes? What do we want the outcome to be? What should it look like? What should it feel like? What should it act like when it actually happens live uh, in our cities and in our community? So it's, this is another one of those crucial conversations that we have to get to. Uh, we often don't, uh, but it's important. And uh, I think uh, this conversation that Representative Kira Birkeland has begun with her bill uh, can be the start of very many important conversations yet to come. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a bottom of the hour break. Uh, In all of the news coming out of the United States Supreme Court, one that we haven't gotten to uh, requires our law enforcement to uh, stop and think a little bit as they are pursuing hot pursuits, they call them, in misdemeanor cases. How far can they go? We're going to
0: find out next. A gun in the face.
1: Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again.
0: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.